0: Tony is very lucky that his father is a better person than Ollie. And I think you, 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 you are an ostrich.
1: Next Tuesday, April Fool's Day is the biggest fool in Manchester, and that is you, David Myers.
2: Football heritage. <laughs> no one wants to
0: be a fullback as a kid. No one wants to grow up and be a Gary Neville.
2: But, unfortunately, crimes and wars will multiply. I love football.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Baller Boys podcast. I'm your host, Vis, and today I have my two very good friends, as usual Rahul. Hello. And Kaiser. Hello. So guys, um, it's the international break. Uh, At the time of recording, we had one of the, if not the biggest game of the season so far, City versus Liverpool last night. And uh, so we're going to look to uh, review those games. Um, We're going to talk about Arsenal's resurgence. We're going to talk about Chelsea European champions. We're also going to talk about newly promoted Brentford. And then we're going to preview some of the upcoming games like uh, United against Liverpool, Brentford against Chelsea and Leicester against United. So without further ado, let's kick this off with the game. One of the most, you know, uh, scintillating football type of games that you're ever going to see uh, during our times now. Uh, Liverpool versus City. So Rahul, since you're the Liverpool fan here, um, do you want to take us off?
0: Yeah, I think for a game like that, right, it's almost a bad thing if you're emotionally invested. It would have been such a good game to watch as a neutral. Um when it went half-time, if you told me we get a point from the game or Liverpool got a point from the game, I would have beaten your hand off for sure because City were yeah. sensational in the first half. I think we were poor. I think certain parts of the pitch, Liverpool were just not up to scratch. Um, whether that may be because of enforced changes such as Trent being injured, Thiago being injured, you know that may be the case. Um, but City like we spoke about before on the pod the moment City sense any sort of weakness or hesitation or you allow them to play they want the, the game that they want to play it's it's so
2: dangerous I think before the game as well uh, when we discussed about it we said actually we should be wanting to win this game especially because we drew Chelsea and this was a home game and we still have yet to play both of these teams away where those games will probably be okay to uh, consider dropping points but yeah like you said by half time, um, I think we will be happy to get out with a point
1: yeah Raul as you're saying from a uh, neutral's uh point of view I just thought that game was amazing like to watch you so so entertaining end-to-end stuff especially me being a United fan right you don't get to see games like that on a weekly basis right and it, I was just so excited for the game I was really really excited for the game and I was happy that I you know actually stayed up watched the entire game you know, it was a game of two halves, you know, and and yeah, just so exciting overall. And you want to talk about, you know, how the game went, Rahul, in, in,
0: in like sort of the ebb and flow of the game. Yeah, so I think in real time, like I said, because I was so invested, right? And in the first half, I was just mentally preparing myself for us getting battered like 5-0 <laughs> or something. So I wasn't really paying attention because honestly, in the first half, the way City were exploiting Liverpool's right side, where James Milner was filling in for Trent, oh was... Every time they got the ball of Foden, it was, you know, he was through. He was through on goal. And if it wasn't for Alisson making some really good saves, not for the first time this season, and De Bruyne maybe having a bit more luck with the header, um, which came from the left when he made a deep run, it would have been 3-0 yeah. at
2: halftime easily. And we were we were scared of that before the game. We are like, oh my god, Milner's going to get attacked. But we thought it would be the Grealish Cancelo KDB boys. Rather it? than actually, Foden. Actually Foden, for sure. yeah. And I mean, it just highlights like
0: I think we we forget, you know, and there'll be a lot more players we talk about on the pod who are the same sort of similar age group. And we think, why aren't they playing week in, week out uh, if they're that good? But I think at that sort of age, you need to take your time with these players. And Pepe, the way he's developing Foden, right? You can see season to season, he's going to be something else. But I've diverted from the question you've asked me. So basically, I think the Hmm. best person to actually look at and refer to to what the happen- you know what happened between the first half and the second half is not myself. But Klopp after the game, I think this was either with Sky Sports or one, or maybe Match of the Day. I can't remember which one it was. But basically the post match interview, they basically asked the question you just asked me. And he never yeah. really I mean I can't remember Kaiser, you might be able to uh chip in if this is wrong. But Klopp never really goes too much into the tactical side of things. You know, he normally speaks yeah. very broadly in terms of games. He doesn't really talk and it wasn't.
2: And it, it was even an open-ended question, actually. So he could, he could have chose anyway, to not yeah, reveal that much. I think yeah. he was in a good mood, I think. But uh,
0: he literally said, he said our line was too deep. We weren't being brave enough. Midfield line was too lax. We were letting City play through the half spaces. And it's funny he uses the name half spaces. Because that's a term we never really hear actual footballing staff use, you know. It's something maybe like you see in football blogs and analytics, but it's interesting to hear a manager at that level of the game use the term half spaces. And I think what they did in the second half is there was no change in personnel. James Milner, you know, came out for the second half, but we were just braver, braver in the press. We played a much higher line. There were a few instances where we were winning the ball up quite high. I remember one on Bernardo Silva, maybe another time on Laporte, and they resulted in, you know, either a half chance or us trying to get a ball uh, trying to get a, sh- a shot on goal. Uh, another thing was with our passes, we were a lot braver. So Martip has been really good this season, not only carrying the ball out of defence but making that vertical pass into the attackers. Yeah. And straight after half time, I don't know if you guys remember this instance. It didn't come to much, but very good pass right through the middle of City midfield. Jota takes a touch and he has a sh- shot on goal. You know, so yeah. that was the biggest yeah. change I think between the first yeah, half and second direct. half. It's literally something as little as bravery and sort of taking a bit more of a risk with your pressing and your passes. The other thing which was um, quite evident, and it's not something that was specific to this game, but was the use of fullbacks more narrow for both City and Liverpool. So the sense that this is not something new, especially to Pep. Pep started using this, I believe, in his Bayern days with Philip Lam and Alaba, where he had yeah. the... Uh, luxury of having fullbacks who are comfortable at being on the ball almost you know Philip Lamm later on played in central midfield and this is something he's adapted to his city side you know he's done it last season and stuff but this season I've realized well not I've realized but people have realized and they've seen that Liverpool have started doing this a bit more you know so even in this game Milner was slightly more narrow and that allowed Henderson and Salah slightly wider and that leads to both Liverpool goals Uh, So Salah almost hugging the touchline for the first one he beats I can't remember who he beats I think it's Cancelo and he plays the ball for Mane Mane scores for the second goal he's white and he dribbled past five or six players for one of the goals (laughs) of the season and he he scores but on the other side for City's equaliser for the second goal Kyle Walker coming into the box narrow he takes away Andy Robertson and that's why KDB gets all the space on the edge of the box. So it's very interesting yeah. that the top teams, I think Chelsea do this slightly as well with Chilwell against Saints, um, mm-hmm. that they're using these inside fullbacks to let the white man get a bit more space.
2: Yeah, because I think when at this near the start of the season when we saw Elliott doing it, we thought it was mainly because of Elliott um and how like how he plays that resulted in Trent always coming inside. But like you said, it looks like now it's actually by by design and all these um, basically there's ball playing full backs and wing backs basically in all these teams right
1: yeah yeah exactly and let's just talk about the players that were outstanding for that game i mean that was a
0: joint uh, man of the matches right for which for that is game in particular. something they need to ban there's no such thing yeah there's no yeah. such yeah. thing as What's joint the man it's not, not man of the matches <laughs> yeah. it's, a, yeah. it's
1: a man of the match right but you know arguably i think bernardo silva was city's best player He had such a good game. Like, I remember there was one time earlier in the first half where he sort of like uh, spun around. Twice. And he dribbled two, three players. Yeah. Twice, right? He did like two (laughs) cuts. Yeah. And then he suddenly, he put the ball through to Foden and Foden should have scored, I felt. But but wow. Even in the Chelsea
2: Chelsea game, uh, he was very integral, which we'll talk about uh, later. And Rahul, you're also
1: saying, right? Sorry, Kaiser. Go on. No, no. Carry on. No, you're saying, right, like players like Bernardo Silva, Laporte, these are all fringe players that were meant to make a move and and they're so integral, you know, to cities, the way they play right now. And uh, yeah, so
0: what are your thoughts on that, Raul? So I think like you said, it's so funny, right, that these players that I think Bernardo Silva, we spoke about it on one of the ports where Bernardo Silva, even Sterling at one point, definitely Laporte all wanted moves away because they weren't getting minutes. But then I was listening to... Sam Lee who's one of the City journalists today and you're saying City is one of those weird places similar to Barcelona similar to Madrid where even if you're a fringe player you're on a very good wage you're constantly picking up medals and trophies and even if you don't get along with a coach it's very hard to force a move away. Because you're going to be very okay. hard-pressed to find a place to go that gives you the level of football you want to be playing, the level of achievement that you're after, and, you know, everything else that comes with playing with one of the best teams in the world. And I think that's why teams like City can retain these kind of players, mm, that they're happy to sort of sense. begrudgingly almost sit on the bench. Because then you see, Bernardo Silva's yeah. got his chance now, Jesus has got his chance now, Laporte has started all the games.
2: Yeah, And ultimately, they are all still high-quality players despite being huge players, right? So once they actually get their mindset and head together that, okay, I'm going to be staying, I'm going to push for it, and you can see all the quality shown on the pitch.
0: But despite all this, Guardiola still somehow, after every game, complained that they didn't sign the number nine. nine? Yeah, didn't sign the striker that they wanted. Which maybe I can see the argument. Maybe if, you know, someone who's better better at finishing was at the end of these chances... Maybe we would have lost, you know, Liverpool would have lost 6-2 yesterday. Yeah. Maybe against Southampton, like, one of the get goals would have gone in. But, but that,
2: Get ready for this recurring conversation throughout the yeah, whole season. Yeah, exactly. Movie. That's Unless why I don't want to bang one. on with this. But the, uh, my argument no. to that
0: is you're playing with a, full, a team with almost all midfielders. Will you still have the level of control and the level of chances if you switch, yeah. switch one of them out? Um, fair, fair. So I don't think it's as simple so as saying, good oh good yeah, someone with better finishing will finish those. Will they get those chances in yeah. the first place? Um, prob- especially probably, with a
2: Kane-like yeah. like striker yeah um, definitely yeah but let's talk about
1: the other uh, man of the match we would say Mo Salah what a season he's having you know we've talked about this a few times in the pod now we always say how underrated you know Mo Salah actually is right but but look at what look at that goal, bro. Look at that second goal. How many the times have y'all seen that oh goal already? Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know.
2: Like half intentionally and half like it's just popping out everywhere. Like even like fans of fans of other teams are just like praising him and everything. I mean, wow, what a season he's having. I you didn't think he would get any better, but he's like possessed uh, this season. I mean, he's a lot more clini- clinical. His decision making is fantastic. Um, I think he's making a lot less mistakes and he's yet he's still pressing for the team and everything it's I just think the decision next making level.
0: that you're saying like that is a big difference I think that's something yeah. I couldn't quite put my finger on it but yeah for sure I mean he's always scored goals and yeah I think he's finishing slightly better this season uh,
2: when it was already good but his decision making is and the decision making so is not only like you always think decision making as like oh whether to pass or shoot and all, but I think that even like things like the types of shot he decides mm. to take whether he opens his body up Side yeah. foot or laces, yeah. like he's just getting them on point uh, this season. And I think, Viz, you brought up the point uh, when we discussed last time that this could be a Ronaldo effect, right? And he's yeah. driven. Because yeah,
1: like, Rahul is always, that. you know, Rahul is saying there's something about Salah this season that is so different. Uh, the fact that, you know, the way he celebrates after scoring these goals is like a personal achievement for him. I mean, for me, I, I would think, you, you think he's the best player in the world right now, based on current form? would you go as far as saying that i think cuz i think, it's hard, I think it's hard after to that comment. after that goal bro after that goal and if you say it, the premier league is the toughest league in the world yeah. that's yeah yeah that's definitely you know? a, i mean you can so, yeah. def-
0: you, that's definitely an argument for it like he's definitely on current form Up he's there. been i think Top i think for this sure. if they end the season
1: been... if they end everything now I yeah. think he, he, he can win Ballon Yes, yes, yes. A very tough one between him and Lelandov's I mean, there yeah, like
0: are seven games. I don't know. It's so hard yeah. to expect. <laughs> <Yeah, it. yeah. laughs> one yeah, of the, yeah. one one of the hardest <laughs> thing, I think, about being consistently the best player in the world for a season is being able to do that thing over 38 games. You know, most people dip in and dip out of form. Yeah. Or Ronaldo's your Ronaldo, your Messi. Moments they do of brilliance. It day, game in, game out. So game we out, have to yeah. see. It's such a long, long way to go. We, Liverpool haven't played... You know, they played big teams at home. They haven't played any harder ways. You know, there are lot, lots to come.
1: Alright then, so let's wrap that section up. So the game ended 2-2. I think can safe to say that... Were y'all happy in the end? I think maybe going uh, prior to the game, you would have been a bit uh, uh, wanting to get the three points. But after looking at everything, we all say that y'all are quite happy at that one point. So
2: weird, man. One week, such a so much can change. Eh? Like We were looking at City mm. before this and we were... I mean, we we'll talked about this later that we predict yeah. that they might not get any points from those two games. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. look, right look right now, suddenly they're the team in form, right? So, yeah. football's like that, I guess. But um, I think overall, I think I have have to be happy with how the game turned out. I think I'm happy for, with a point, yeah.
1: With
0: a point, yeah? Raul, you as well, right? For I think sure? so. I think similarly, like how we, you know, Liverpool fans were disappointed when they drop points to Chelsea. It's probably the other way around. You know, uh, okay. for this, this okay. one, I think definitely City fans come away feeling like they've dropped two points and we've gained one. Uh, but on the back of that yeah. first half, definitely, like I said, I would have definitely taken a draw at half time. But then to, to see the equalizer come off a deflection and those two, like that goal Salah scored, like, we keep coming back to it, was deserving of a yeah, win. It's like a match. But yeah, that's just yeah. not, how, I mean, just that's like, not yeah. how it works, right? So, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. I think yeah. it's fine.
1: From. <laughs> A neutral point of view, like I say, yeah, I think one point is good it's, it's really, You know, yeah. especially after after United drew at Everton, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's the best <laughs> outcome. So let's talk about uh, the uh, City game that was played before this game week, which was the Chelsea against City. Kaiser, do you wanna you know talk about that game?
2: Yeah, uh, as we touched on already, I think that was another. Spectacular performance from City, uh, which we didn't really expect, actually. I mean, we were thinking, how would KDB and Foden affect um, City for this game? But it was a, definitely a deserved win uh, for City. And they beat Chelsea to go level on points with them. And it's first time, actually, Pep uh, beat Tuchel in his four meetings uh, in the past. So this was a very different game to the Liverpool one. It was more like a tactical showdown... Um, not that Liverpool City one wasn't, but it was not very end-to-end or anything like that. Um, if, touching on City, eh, Chelsea first, um, Mount, uh, both last two games, they were they are without him. And it seems like he is a crucial uh, part of the puzzle. Yeah, um, definitely. They started, they started Werner instead uh, in front two and they played Kante, Jorginho, Kovacic. So pretty uh, defensive uh, setup. setup. And, I mean, it showed on the pitch. They lacked a lot of cl- creativity. No link between midfield and attack. They even brought off Kante for Harvard to try and change things up. Um, but, have to give credit to City, I think. Um, yeah, you they, guys see they how they pressed and everything. Game.
1: You know, Tuchel changed it up. Like, like you said, Kaiser. it wasn't like the Liverpool-City game. Because Tuchel yeah. changed to a three-five-two, the same formation that uh, Chelsea went to in the second half against Tottenham, he sort mm-hmm. of made the game a bit more boring. Lah. You know, he let... I mean, City had, what, 70% of the ball away at Stamford Bridge, you know? They were in control the whole time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, like you said, with Mount, right? Without, sorry, without Mount, Chelsea looked very toothless, I would say, going forward. And, yeah, Rahul, do you want to add to that point as well?
0: So, I think we, when we were previewing this game, we said the impetus will be at City and Chelsea definitely didn't need to, you know, go out of their way to get three points. A draw would have been good enough. Mm. And I think... The Chelsea team is set up so well defensively that the moment Jesus scored, then it becomes difficult, you know. And I think that's probably the mm. biggest question you have to ask about this Chelsea team is that when that plan A goes, not I wouldn't say wrong, but say it doesn't go to how they planned it. So if someone, you know, if they concede an easy goal and then you've got Lukaku and Werner up front, which out of possession. Probably aren't the best players. Maybe Werner yeah. is not bad actually. I mean, to be fair, he does but he does work Lukaku. off the ball. But Lukaku, I think, as good as he is, you mm. lose something out of possession. Yes. So then, Definitely. how do they? Can they turn the screw when they need to turn the screw against very good teams? That is the biggest question mark I think with Chelsea.
2: Yeah, but I think yeah. we have to caveat it that City have been the best defensive uh outfit um in the league with Chelsea as well. So I think in the previous games we saw that they could turn the screw. Um. But, yeah, the Mount question mark is, is a big one, I think. I think that's why we see both managers of uh, England and Chelsea always Chelsea, yeah. playing him all the time. We can see how crucial he is. Yeah, but like, you know, the return of uh, KDB and Foden, I mean, yeah. such an
1: impact they've had uh, on City, I would say. I think prior to them coming back into the you know
2: squad, they, 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 they looked all right. You know, they were a good team, they looked all right, but look at them now, you know. Yeah, it's just not that it's like yes, we know how good they are offensively creative, though, but they're just in their pressing, they're so aggressive and organized yeah. and it just like works like clockwork, I think. And it brings people like Grealish and Bernardo out to play as well, you know, it gives them so much um space to to perform as they need to. And like you said, Rodri as well. I think yeah. benefiting benefiting from this, managed to dispossess Kante multiple times during that game. Um and so yeah, I think there's a different city we're seeing in the past uh week. Um and um yeah, they've got four points from Chelsea and Liverpool away fixtures, which probably their two hardest fixtures this yeah. season. Um so it yeah. set them up really nicely uh, into their favorable run of fixtures now.
1: It's so funny that prior to this Chelsea game, all three of us predicted Chelsea two nil or one nil, you know? Yeah but look at how this that's footballer, bro. That's footballer. All right, so to wrap that, uh in our next segment we'll talk about Arsenal versus Spurs, the London Derby so the Arsenal Spurs game happened uh, the previous week so um, the final score was 3-1 to Arsenal so at the time when that game finished Arsenal were on level point with Spurs however um, after last night when Spurs beat Villa 2-1 and Arsenal drew 0-0 with Brighton Arsenal sit on 11th right now with 10 points and Spurs in 8th with 12 points behind Brentford who are in 7th. So we'll talk about Brentford a bit later. So guys, I want to ask you, remember before uh, that game against uh, Spurs, we talked about how Ateta needs to get at least 7 points out of 9 to sort of maybe even save his job, mm. but he's gone six, on and got six yeah all all 9 out of 9 points and um, he essentially won all those 3 games to save his job, lah, if you put it that way. So they beat Norwich, they beat Burnley, and they beat Spurs. So against Norwich and Burnley, yeah, I was two one nails, weren't so convincing. But against Spurs, I think I think it was quite convincing, lah. You know them going yeah. forward, especially. So I just want to get your thoughts on that. How have you know Arsenal sort of turned it around?
2: Yeah, I think like you mentioned, um, they have a completely different squad now to how they started the season. Uh, the three losses on the bounce. Um, especially the defence, uh, I feel. Actually, both defence and in the midfield, they have a very settled team now. I think they only mainly change uh, the centre-mids uh, now that Jacca's injured. uh, But, yeah, Tomiyasu, White, Gabriel Tierney uh, seems very settled, as, as well as Ramsdale, who's been playing well. Uh, yeah. recently and so yeah. yeah now i think we can really start to judge uh, ateta's performance now that he has his um a full team um at his disposal
1: yeah, so I want to talk about both these games. So I'll talk about the Spurs game first. Uh, First half, they were all over Spurs, I would say. And Spurs didn't show up at all in terms of, you know, their energy, uh, their tackling, passing, second balls, aerial duels, everything. They were on top of Arsenal. Sorry, they were on top of Spurs in every department. And yeah, Raul,
0: you want to add something? So I think you're exactly right. So in terms of the intensity, right? And I think when we talk about a Brighton game, it's, it's quite different and that might be for multiple reasons but one person Kaiser touched on their defensive line and he said you know he spoke about the fullbacks and obviously Ben White slotting in next to Gabriel but I think someone I was definitely wrong about and I couldn't see the sense in why they paid the money that they paid for was Ramsdale and even though it's early days you can definitely see the value he brings in the fact that we talk about Ateta always wants his teams to play from the back Play from the back, yeah, and against and Spurs, he did so uncomfortable. So well. Yeah, but Ramsdale <laughs> is happy never wanted to do to, yeah. it. You know, Ramsdale yeah, is happy yeah. to do it, and the way they played so well is, I think, two out of three goals, or maybe I, I can't remember exactly. This is poor from me, but I think two out of three goals they scored against Spurs started with Ramsdale mm-hmm. and then playing through yeah. the back. You know, and that is not only yeah. to do with his passing ability, but it's to do with sort of the bravery of the whole team you know, to, to be happy with... Because Spurs pressed with a three from the front. So to be able yeah. to take it in possession and still play through that press is is something which I thought they did very well against Spurs, especially in the first half. Yeah. But when we talk about Brighton, I think it's something that Brighton did really well to stop. You know, yeah. and I think yeah. that's where the, the, the big difference comes between both of them. The other thing is talking about, you know, individual players. So Saka, Smith-Rowe, and Odegaard to maybe a slightly lesser degree but Saka and Smithro are they're fantastic players 21 yeah. 20 years really old and 21 really cool. years old ridiculous yeah. man We thought, that's why we were talking about earlier about Foden but the only problem you have here and the difference when you compare City and Arsenal is that Foden is someone Pep has the luxury of taking in and out you know, <laughs> tweaking him slowly, using, choosing certain games to get him involved yeah. and
2: not... How many years has they been already? And how
0: many yeah. years he's been doing yeah. this, right? You, uh, Ateta doesn't have the luxury with Saka and Smith-Rowe, you know, for... Not for yeah. their age, but they are, you know, inverted commas, Fully senior dependent. players, like big players in, in in this Arsenal side. And that's not only unfair to the yeah. team, but it's unfair to these players, you know, when you're 20, 21 years old, there are not many players in world football, less, you know, let's talk about the last 10, 15 years where they consistently put in top performances week in, week out. And that would be the case for Arsenal. You know, ESR and yeah. Saka will struggle to put in 38 games, 7, 8, 9 out of 10. And that's where I think the patience yeah. has to come in like, from the fan fan base and there has to be a certain expectation, you know, adjustment this maybe. This
1: when players like Pepe and all these guys need to step up as well. Yes, and they haven't. You know? But they haven't. Yeah. That's
0: the problem. You yeah. see. Yeah,
1: yeah. Your senior so pros, that's, your that's Obama
0: Youngs, problem. your Pepe. Obama Young was awful against Brighton. Like a Z. Yeah. It was yeah, was terrible against Brighton. Sorry, but sorry, uh, uh, sorry to jump he came ahead. Off
1: for- yeah, but he came off for uh, Lacazette and said, looked much better. I mean, every ball that was going through Aubameyang, everything was off. Like, his first touch was so, so bad, you know. And everything was, like, everything Arsenal tried to build up through Aubameyang just sort of fizzled out. And Brighton were, yeah, so touching on the Brighton game, that game was very different, you know. It was nothing like the Spurs game, okay. And um, it goes to show two things. It goes to show how bad Spurs were in setting up for the Arsenal game. And also, how much of a good team Brighton have actually become this season. They're actually a very well-drilled team. And uh, I think they should not be taken lightly as well. And um, so, yeah, they had the much better chances of the game. I think they've been quite sad, actually, not to get all three points. And I actually expected more from Arsenal, especially winning three games in a row. The one against Arsenal, eh, one against Spurs, you know. So- and no Europe insane. as well. Yeah, they got no Europe as well. So I thought, you know, they're because the the way they played, right? They, it's very lackluster, you know, not sharp, and these are things that you get when you know you you're, you're fatigued or tired, right? Essentially, yeah. but yeah. but yeah. So then again, Arsenal have um, the next three. They have Crystal Palace at home, Villa at home, and then they play Leicester away. So I would say maybe you know at least six points, maybe seven out yeah. of Ooh. out of I think Crystal, Crystal the, Palace the return is a of now.
2: Yeah, the return of yeah, the era. Very yeah. tricky That'll game, be now. interesting, and they are on fire. Actually, the way they're yeah. playing is unbelievable.
0: But, and yeah. and
1: Spurs um, also have. Sorry.
0: No, I was just going to say one of the positives from the Brighton game. I know they probably, yeah, probably were lucky to get a point, but they dealt. They dealt with um, Brighton's aerial threat pretty well. I thought. Yeah. You know, and that's a big and improvement.
1: Yeah, like, this this, this back four, Tomiyasu, White, Gabriel, Tierney, right? They've started four games already together now. And they're not just good defensively in terms of, you know, when the ball's on the ground, but aerial duels as well. Like, against Burnley, Tomiyasu handled the, you know, aerial duels very, very well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can't simply push them over. They're, they're not bad, la, the Arsenal defence. And yeah, a lot more to come. Whereas Spurs have Newcastle, West Ham, and then they play Man United at home. So um, let's see how, how it goes for, the, for these two teams moving forward. So in our next segment, let's talk about, you know, the most exciting team, I would say, maybe the leads of this season, Brentford, in our next segment. So let's talk about the game that, that I watched as well last night, uh, West Ham at home to Brentford. So final score was 2-1 to Brentford. With a visa, last minute, you know,
0: winner Rahul, you're talk week, about that game for the second week in a row. Yeah,
1: for the second what week, already Yeah, what a guy. Uh, Who
0: is he? I mean, not just the West Ham game, but Brentford have started so well twelve points from seven games. Uh, and, and you know, it's not been the easiest of starts. Uh, Arsenal, Wolves, and West Ham—they've picked up all three points playing against them, and they've drawn with Liverpool, Palace, and Villa. Um, you know, so you can't knock it. They—they they probably are where they. Are deservedly, even if you look at the stats for their xG and xG con conceded, they're they're up there. They're up there top seven for xG, and I think top four for xG conceded, and that's after playing Liverpool, who's probably the yeah. strongest attacking team so far this season. just looking Yeah, at the and stats, so before yeah.
1: playing Liverpool, right, Brentford were just behind City only in terms of uh xG conceded. So their defense was good, and I thought they were going to get hammered by Liverpool honestly because. Mm. You know, Liverpool, undoubtedly, yeah, the best attack in the league, right? But no, I, I thought they handled it pretty well. I mean, 3-3 draw, very exciting game, I must say. So, yeah, and you were saying, right, Raul, uh, since we're talking about Liverpool as well, so there are some parallels to how um, uh, Brentford play in terms of how Klopp plays his style of football. You want to elaborate on that?
0: Definitely. So, I mean, they are very front foot. You know, they, they're they definitely not a Burnley um, or a Tony Puglies team. Sheffield United or a Sheffield United? I mean, I think that's match. they're a
1: good Norwich, lah. <laughs> they, yeah,
0: they what Norwich want to be, um, in the sense that they are very aggressive in the press. They're very good at contesting the long balls and the second balls. Um, and I think Klopp has actually alluded to it. I can't remember. I think it was the pre, probably the pre-match interview before Liverpool played Brentford, where he said, you know, Thomas Frank and Brentford remind him of his time at Mainz. You know, mm. where they obviously they are a smaller team, but they're set up so well and they look to use these small sort of percentage gains in terms of they've hired a throw-in coach, Thomas Gronemark which is someone who Liverpool have employed as well. You know, they try interesting mm. things from set pieces and these are all these marginal gains where say you can't compete with spending the cash on individual players, you have to find that advantage somewhere else and Brentford are definitely a team that like to do that. Uh, and that comes all the way from the top, from their sporting directors. And that's something we looked at in our pre-season pods as well. Um, and then you have to definitely talk about the individual players. You know, I think not only have their players from their championship squad made the jump to the Premier League really well. So we're talking about yeah. players like Pontus Janssen, uh Ethan Pinnock, uh Sergi Carnos. And then your Ivan Tonis and Embuemos, who we'll talk about a bit later on. But all the signings yeah. that they brought in have done really well as well. Christoph Ayer, who they signed from Celtic, slaughtered in nicely in their back three alongside Jensen and mm-hmm. Um, Unfortunately, he was in, injured for the West Ham game. So Zanka, the former Huddersfield guy, played. But he's been really good, really tidy. Uh, Janelt, who they signed from Germany, has been very good in midfield. He's the chap who scored against Liverpool at header. Yep. Uh, yeah. and their keeper David Raya Klopp after the Liverpool game said you know this guy's playing like a number 10 or he could play like a number 10 and it's just his yeah. range of passing and passing. you you know if if you remember Arsenal fans might remember before Ramsdale was signed they were in for Raya and I think they've been in for yeah. Raya even last season and now it makes yeah. sense you know for for the fact that he's fantastic on the ball Against Liverpool and maybe less so against West Ham, but against Liverpool, the way he was finding Sergi Carros on the right side and Ivan Toni was fantastic. Pinpoint man, pinpoint passing, and
1: he's good at saving as well. I mean, he's good at what a keeper what should do. Well. He made yeah. some mad saves. Yeah. He
0: made some mad saves against Liverpool.
1: Liverpool, yeah, yeah,
0: hundred yeah. um, percent. And then you have to talk about the main guys. I mean, the people who've been getting the most attention is Ivan Toni and Abouémo. Ivan Tony, I think the numbers hasn't been there. Hasn't been what we would have expected him to be. You know, I I have to admit, I didn't watch them that much in the championship. But from what you read and what you sort of... Yeah, what crazy record he had. In the championship, you thinking 40% of... Yeah, goal involvement. Yeah, so you're thinking like, hey, Brentford score here, he's going to be involved. But he's been the opposite. His numbers have been poor in terms of his, not only his assist numbers, but also, you know, his offensive shots in the box, that kind of stuff. Big chances. They're Mm -hmm. all not there. Not in the top 10. But he's been fantastic. You watch a Brentford game and he's pivotal to the way they play. You know, we talk about yeah. David Ryder's distribution but Ivan Toney is the one winning the balls. He caused Van Dijk what? so much trouble. Yeah, he caused very Martin trouble. Yesterday, he was causing West Ham centre-backs all kinds of grief, you know. The way he holds up. Because not only is he mobile and he presses, he's up there for, you know, the pressing stats we were talking about for forwards. But he yeah. can, you know, technically, he's fantastic. Yesterday against West Ham, there's a chance which came over the top half volley he just strikes it so clean first time
2: yeah I realise he can like take the ball like on his chest feet and then like flick on with his head uh, he's like very all-rounded yeah. player 100%
0: you know. like he looks such a such a tidy player you know watch, watching him play you
1: know who he reminds me of honestly maybe I'm a bit you know too far-fetched he reminds me a bit about Drogba. like the way he is able to hold up so good in the air strong as well yeah smart you know, mm. not the PCS in that sense, but Finish. yeah, very yeah, technically also very good. You know, yeah. Well,
0: obviously, he's not Drogba, but
1: he reminds me of that style of player. You know,
0: if he keeps it up, he won't be he won't be at Brentford for long, la, I don't think. Yeah. You know, if he keeps up, the how form old is he? Twenty six. Is he twenty six? I'm not actually sure. I'm not actually yeah, sure. I need check. Um, yeah. But he's not old. Um, but I think not not only him, but. And Buemo has started the season so well. And he's up there for all the offensive numbers. You know, his shots, shots in the yeah. box, his big chances. He's the guy who's literally, for Premier League sort of standard, he's been in the mm-hmm. top top 10 for most of those things. He's fourth for big chances, I think. You know, so they've it'd be interesting to find out if this was something intentional because this wasn't the case in the Championship. You know, and Buemo is definitely
2: yeah. more peripheral. Well, it looks like average positions as well. He's always the ones um, getting the flick-ons and the most forward, I think, out of all of them. Yeah. Especially Tony. Yeah,
0: so I don't know why. I don't know why the change has happened, you know, especially in such a, uh, you know, the season from the Championship to the Premier League. Surely you stick with what you know, right? Um, so it'll be interesting yeah. to know. Have they seen something in the Premier League that wouldn't have worked in the Championship and they're trying that? Mm. Uh, but it's, interesting, I think it's right? the, interesting to see a team like it's this. The, it's the um factor of... Uh,
1: not knowing how they play, like the yeah. the unexpected, you know. That's that, what that, we had with I Leeds, right, last season? Yes, yeah. exactly. So I think they have to ride it as long as they can until it feels teams, like we, know, sort of find... We, sorry?
2: Yeah, it feels like we get one team a season like this. I wonder what yeah. it exciting, is. I mean, yes, exciting, Yes, We always say the surprise factor, but it's been Leeds, Wolves, Sheffield United, uh, Brentford... From
1: the way I, I read, like, Bramford, I was like, oh, you know, 40% of Bramford's goals come from Ivan Tony and if Ivan Tony gets injured, that's it. But they're getting goals from all over the pitch, you know? There are seven different goal scorers, yeah. so these yeah. are the sort of things that, you know, they're unexpected, right? But overall, it's a big positive, and I'm very happy to see them in the league, Definitely. and I hope they do very well. Yep. So, yeah, overall, big positive for Brentford. I'm very happy that, you know, they're doing so well in the league, currently sitting in seventh, and they deserve to be where they are right now. So, that wraps up our review segment. So, let's talk about um, Leicester versus United in our next segment, which is the preview segment. Catch you after this. So, the first game we want to preview is the... out-of-form Leicester um, at home to the out-of-form Man United. So, <laughs> yeah. So, Kaiser, you want to you wanna run us through this fixture?
2: Yeah, I think, like you said, both teams out-of-form playing pretty poorly. Much needed international break in my eyes um, for both teams. I think this fixture, United would normally be licking their lips. Um, and I think they will still come out on top, Um <laughs> due to a, due to a few due to a few reasons, I think I mean Leicester, the kind of team, United will be raring to play. Uh, if they were in form, they don't normally yeah. sit back. Been very poor defensively. I mean, they'll be very low on confidence and defenders. Uh, no, for Fana Evans and Didi's out for a few weeks. Madison is struggling. And if you guys saw the Palace game, um, they finally played Iheanacho. Yeah, <laughs> up yeah, front, we've finally. been calling for that. Um, and Chaudhuri somehow started ahead of Sumare in, in Didi's uh, absence uh, and didn't play the best game. And Vestergaard as well, who's meant to be their new signing, uh, who's meant to help Soyun Chu at the back, also had a poor game against Palace, error prone. So it's not looking very positive uh, overall for Leicester. On top of that, they have Europe as well, uh, which is another complexity for them. Even Roger, you can see uh, in his post-match interview, He's like, yep, it is my job and the issue right now is the defensive stability and a bit of pressure, that. right, from the fans as well, I think. Yeah, this yeah, you're the mentioning fans booing
1: him and all. Yeah. Booing
2: him, yeah. So um yeah. That's for that's on Leicester's side. Um and so for uh, for United, I think in this fixture the playing away, the owners will be on Leicester to attack. Um and I think United will enjoy playing on the counter. Although um I don't know, what's United's style of play currently? I mean, is Ronaldo changing the way you guys play? Are you still as effective on the counter? Is there too much going through him? These are some questions uh, that are running yeah, through my head.
1: There's so many questions running through my head as well. <laughs> so when you ask... There's so many questions running, running through play. Ole's head. He doesn't know. Do. Yeah. <laughs> During the interview, you can see. It's just yeah, <laughs> Fantastic. You know, like So what we were good at last season was counter-attacking football. That's what we did, you know. Quick on the transition, counter attacking, uh, trying to exploit the spaces on the pitch, and if you want to call it that, that it would would have that is our style of play. And this season, we've not been able to do it. We've not been able to attack in transition properly, and that is also, you know, I would say down to the fact that Rashford is not here. You know, Rashford was the most direct player that we had. You see, now we don't have Dan James anymore. Rashford is the only pacey direct player we have that can actually facilitate that speed in transition.
2: So Sancho is not that kind of player? like
1: You see, Sancho, if you actually see the way he plays, he's actually not that fast with the ball, you know. He can beat players, yes, but people can catch him quite easily as well. Who was that
2: in the last game that caught up with him? Everyone was like, oh, the Gordon. The Gordon. Gordon, yeah. Yeah, yeah. everyone everyone was like, "Well, he caught up with Sancho. Driven, so, yeah. we
1: are sort of, you know, I would say, I don't want to, you know, sit here and say, oh, yeah, the reason we're not playing well is because Rashford is not here. Come on, bro, we have Ronaldo, we have Bruno, we have Pogba, you know, all these players at the pitch. But to answer your question, Kaiser, yes, um, you know, we are sort of changing the way we play. We don't press uh, from the front as much right now with Ronaldo. Of course, because, you know, there's a stat that we saw this um, uh, on Athletic, right, On this in this one article which highlighted the, the average presses per player in each team. And Ronaldo's at the bottom of the list. Mm. You know, he doesn't press at all. And, you know, I, I understand because given his age, he sort of reserves his energy for, you know, other moments in the game. And he's just not that sort of player. He's not going to, you know, run around like Cavani. You know, you can't expect that from him. But yeah, you know, United are poor in form. Uh, But Kaiser, you said, you know, you expected United to win this game. And I I just want to know
2: why. Why do you think so? I think it's all relative in the end. Um, Because just how poor Leicester Mm. have been as well. And they don't like to sit. uh, I mean, they can try to sit back, but that's not Roger's style of play. And also their defence has been so poor. If they're going to try that, I don't think it's going to work. Are they expecting uh, anyone back, Evans and stuff, after international break? I think likely no. For, fun, yeah. for fun, is a long term injury. Evans is Evans is touch and go. Indeed, he, they said it's out for a few weeks. Mm. Uh, so we're hoping to have him back, uh, but it's not a confirm. And that's a really big miss, yep. uh, because yeah, Sumari has not been bedded in yet. So All right. yeah,
1: so I'm I'm not that confident, but. Um, I I think yeah I'm, I'm leaning towards yeah we we're sort of nicked I would say away from home as well our mm. form away from home has been definitely a naked situation yeah though. definitely proper scrape through lah like, <laughs> so after that game would be the United versus Liverpool game so. <clears throat> That's in the league, right? So we play Leicester away, then we have Atalanta at home, and then Liverpool at home. So we compare two uh, teams to, let's talk about Liverpool and United. So United got 7 out of 15 points in their last five home matches. And then you compare that with Liverpool's 13 out of 15 points in their last five away matches. So it's quite evident that Liverpool are the team in form, you know, going into this game. And United, Liverpool also unbeaten in all competitions, and they're just the better team overall. Lah. Like after last night, when you see City and Liverpool the way they play, right? There's not much hope lah, in that sense. And, and Liverpool have been the better team uh, for a good period of two, three years now. And um yeah, I think um it won't be comfortable by any means for Liverpool. I, I'm sure United will make it hard because this is sort of fixture, it's like a one off fixture, right? United Liverpool, United City, these games are so hard to predict and you don't know. But I think uh for in terms of United, right, if you can't support us when we lose, you can't support us when we draw, so <laughs> we'll probably
0: draw that game. <laughs>
1: in my opinion uh yeah let's so i I've, I've highlighted on united's form as well so i don't think there's there's much to add to that right unless you have anything you want to add Kaiser uh no maybe not so much
0: from a united point of view but always these games right it almost even the last 2 3 years i mean when we we won 4-2 last year at old trafford but i think before that liverpool had struggled to get results at old trafford i think it's quite a few draws even from the ibra yeah. you know the ibra days Very and stuff poor. right like I remember, Fellaini scoring yeah. last minute headers and things. I think even you know 18, 19, 19 20, we we found it difficult to get points at Old Trafford. And on top of that, Liverpool. I I guess they've started the season pretty well, but I think there's they there is something, not quite right in terms of the midfield and the defensive structure and the defensive setup. Um, but this is how
1: I see the game going, yeah. You see, most of the goals that we conceded this season have been from counter attacks, and that's because the onus is on us to attack. But when Liverpool come to Old Trafford, I don't think we're going to attack. We're just going to sit back, you know, and we're just going to try and defend, 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 and try to hit you on the counter. I think that's yeah, what's going to happen. The, the counter could you
2: know? hurt us, lah. I think that's yeah. where you might find some some joy. Yeah, but um, if you're
1: going to score against us, you will probably break us down. La. It's not to say how
0: and and that's what I mean. I la, think defensively, yeah. we're not not quite there. You know, so I can mm-hmm. definitely see, especially when you got players like Ronaldo, Bro- Bruno, Pogba, it is definitely not as clear cut. And I don't know if more and more we're going to be seeing Liverpool's defensive sort of vulnerability come out a bit more because it's not so obvious. Mm-hmm. You get players like Allison bailing them out a lot. You know, he's bailed them out a yeah. lot. The keeper yeah. this season. Uh, but I think in terms of statistics, City and Chelsea are much better much better
2: what well, I'm hopeful yeah. for is if Trent is back at least our attacking prowess our creativity surely he'll be back surely he'll be a huge... back this, it this might not... is three weeks from now right it might yeah tr- true well, you never yeah. know he's been in and out a bit f- mm. with the illness and stuff but I mean sure. yeah defensively he might not help because even before the Milner thing our defence has not been um, the best because uh, mm-hmm. we're conceding a lot of shots but I, th- I'm hoping f- with that creativity back in the team I think we can break down United hopefully
1: all right. Um, so to you know, preview the last fixture that we wanted to preview would be Brentford at home to Chelsea. Rahul, you wanted to cover this. So who do you think is going to win this game, or how do you think this game is going to pan out?
0: Uh, I I think Chelsea will still win. I think Chelsea will still win, which is the result everyone would think. But don't it will be easy because another five thirty kickoff at home. So exactly like the Liverpool fixture. Uh, mm. You know, and there's no pressure. There's no pressure from a Brentford point of view. You look at Watford and Norwich; they are miles ahead of them. Uh, and for a club like Brentford, I would think that the minimum requirement is staying up. You know, so when you've got 12 points after seven yeah. games, you can look at fixtures like this at home, and say, "Hey, let's you know." There's, yeah, there's a bit less, a bit <laughs> less pressure there. Enjoy yourself, <laughs> and yeah, they can enjoy. really, you know, and and like we said, Brentford aren't a shy team. They're not a, a team to sort of take the the less risky option. Again, for Liverpool 3-2 trailing, instead of taking off a midfielder, sorry, instead of taking off an attacker for a, and putting on a midfielder or centre-back, they brought on an attacker and that's how they managed to score the third goal Wisa came on, right? So yeah. I think he's um, definitely a potential banana skin for Chelsea. Um, but I mm. think Chelsea have a very good side. And in the end, I think players like Werner, who've been slightly coming up, you know, coming up to the boil a bit more, uh, Chilwell coming in, having a you know, good game, uh, Hudson-Odoi, Loftus-Cheek all these players on the peripheries who we've not seen involved thus far have been coming in and making a difference so it shows me Tuchel is sort of happy to use the squad when he needs to and I think that will be where Chelsea you know, have an advantage when it gets to the 70th minute and stuff they'll have such good replacements to bring on so if they haven't broken yeah. down Brentford by that point I think they will have a lot of luck and we don't have to talk about the Chelsea defence you know um, yep. very yep. reliable very dependable so I can't see it past the Chelsea win but I think it will be a very good game and it's definitely a potential banana skin yeah and okay. I think
2: on, on Brentford's side I think I think it will slowly start to run out of steam in this period I think as also as the maybe in the November December period more uh, where the fixtures Come uh, thick and fast, uh, but I think yeah they just don't have this squad depth to be able to maintain what they are mm. what they're performing right now.
1: So on that note, uh, let's talk about our score predictor, which went fantastic last <laughs> e- uh, last week. So <laughs> so uh, we predicted the uh, for the Chelsea City game, we predicted Chelsea to win, which you know not the right result, not the right score line. Uh, Arsenal Spurs as well, you know that didn't go well. We also predicted draws. We didn't know Arsenal <laughs> going to whoop Spurs, and then. Uh, Liverpool City, we were a bit uh, positive And we wanted Liverpool to win But, uh, you know, it was a draw in the end Uh, So, moving on Yeah, moving on Let's see if we can get at least one out of the next three, (laughs) right? Surely So, okay So, uh, based on the fixtures that we talked about Let's go with uh, Leicester versus uh, United So, this Leicester at home to United So, Kaiser, what are your predictions for this one?
2: Yeah, I think it'll be a 2-1 win to United Probably Vardy gets a goal and then Ronaldo will stop his uh, mini drought.
0: I've literally got ah. the exact same thing. Exact same thing. Really?
2: Yeah. <laughs> nice.
1: Oh my god. Same here. Same
2: we did here not discuss that. Oh shit. United. So that's definitely not going to no, really, happen. really, really. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm also thinking, you know.
1: But I see a oh 2-1 gosh. as well. At first, I wanted to be a 1-0 con- con- uh, conservative. But no, like United are not going to keep a clean sheet. La. No. <laughs> yeah, but no, yeah. no so so 2-1 place, to United. Yeah. Uh, see you last minute 95 minutes see you anyway uh, the next one United Liverpool how do you see this going this one is United at home yeah United uh, at home. Rahul you wanna go first you go uh, first nil Liverpool one nil Liverpool huh? yeah what about you guys
2: I'll go a bit more optimistic 2 uh to Liverpool
1: 2 nil to Liverpool that's very um, optimistic actually I'm going to go 3-1 to United.
0: Oh. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> let's I think go, by
2: let's then, I think, you know, have to lah. I said, oh, I lah. It sounds like a, a, <laughs> irrational uh, <laughs> guess, but you never know.
1: Hey, remember uh, the pre-pods last season where you guys predicted City to beat uh, United and then I predicted, I think United will win. Yeah, yeah true, 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 yeah, true. Those were one of the pods that we didn't, release but yeah. yeah i got that one spot on yeah. united, on the, my counter, team la, united nice. on the counter i know my team like i know my team, la, la, know my team okay so the last fixture bramford at home to chelsea this is a tricky one uh i think i'm gonna go for a two 0 to chelsea lah same and uh kaiser you uh same same Eh, 1-0 for me 1-0 1-0 1-0 Chelsea alright so um, since we're done with the score predictors that will be it for this um, week's episode so the next time you'll be hearing from us would be after all these games are played after United actually beat Liverpool 3-1 at home so uh, hopefully (laughs) we'll catch you in the next one take care bye Sony is
0: very lucky that his father is a better person than Nolly. And I think you, 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 you are an ostrich.
1: Next Tuesday, April Fool's Day is the biggest fool in Manchester, and that is you, David Mys.
0: Football heritage. <laughs> No-one wants to be a fullback as a kid. No-one wants to grow up and be a Gary Neville.
2: But, unfortunately, crimes and wars will multiply. I love football.